Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm your co-host Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and joining me as always in the virtual studio is my good friend and my compatriot and the man who knows how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. <laughs> the one and only Ken Hellenius. Ken, how you doing, brother? I'm well. How are you, Deacon? I'm just fine, thanks. Just fine. You know, I never Remember that actually, commercial when we were I, kids? I was just thinking that. I don't remember the commercial, but I remember With my owl? parents talking about it all the time. I mean, I remember... Yeah. Yeah, no. How many not. looks does it take to get the center of a... T- remember, and the kid's eating it, so the, the owl starts licking it. One, two, three, and he crunches it because he can't wait to get to the middle of it. You remember <laughs> that? That was so funny. I don't, but I'll tell you what. I, I remember having that experience, and uh, and yeah, you're like, oh, this is lovely. This is lo-. Now I want to get to the Tootsie Pop part yeah, in the right. middle. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Those things have... I've noticed that they don't have keto-friendly Tootsie Pops for some reason, so <laughs> I haven't had a Tootsie Pop in a while, but... Yeah, yeah. I had an experience the other week. We have a fellow who comes occasionally in our neighborhood and knocks on on doors and asks to do little jobs so that he can earn a little bit of money. And I didn't have any cash, but I said, you know, are you hungry? Can I maybe give you something, you know, out of the pantry? And he's like, well, sure. So I brought him out. uh, I found a can of of, uh, Vienna sausages in our pantry. And um, he's like, would you happen to have any bread to go with these? You know, and I was like, oh, man, I have not had bread since October. I apologize. (laughs) You know, and I felt bad that I was letting him down. But I'm like, our house is just full of at this point, you know, friendly diet foods we eat low carbs so i don't have anything good like that to offer sir i'm sorry you know but then i offered him peanuts and so he's like oh this is delicious there you go it all worked there out you but go. <laughs> i was thinking all those yummy things i'm missing out on but on the other hand uh you know like i think i've mentioned to you before every time i get on the scale and the number is a little bit smaller it is incredibly encouraging so i uh, stick with it there you go awesome <laughs> we are uh continuing our discussion of uh, Pope Paul VI's encyclical letter, uh, Humani Vitae. We talked about the 50th anniversary of that document this year. And so we're uh, taking a a few shows here to go through this very important uh, and uh, controversial document, controversial Mm -hmm. in the sense that of the uproar that it caused in the church. And we talked a little bit about the history over the last couple of episodes and started diving into the document. And um, uh, so if you're following along with us, you can download the document from our website livingstonesmedia.org right and i think it's also on the modern day radio website as well you can download that if you come to go to our show on the modern day radio website you can also download the document there it's not very long no and no it's, and please feel free to take notes and underline and highlight as we go through the document or, or write your own thoughts down as well yeah and maybe use for reflection later in adoration or something like that so uh, so we're right at the end of uh, paragraph eight, which is God's loving design uh, as it relates to uh, married love. So this is, again, particularly a paragraph that's talking about how 
marriage both reflects the love of God in the Trinity, the love for them of one another, and, and marriage is like a human image of that divine love that uh, the persons of the Trinity share with one another. There are a couple of interesting things that we didn't get to mention last week. Um, one of the things that really stuck out at me is that, um, you know, it talks about in this particular chapter that it is, again, marriage is a mutual gift of themselves, and it is a total gift to the spouse, and that it is the um, beginning of a union of two persons becoming one. And of course, we hear this in the marriage rite. Um, when you go to a wedding, you know, they let the two become one, and what God has joined, let nobody put asunder. But really, I kind of think about it as the, as the Holy Father says, whoever genuinely really loves his partner, loves not only for what he receives, but loves that partner for the partner's own sake, content to be able to enrich the other with the gift of himself. And I was kind of thinking about this idea that your spouse is not merely a roommate who shares your expenses, you know, somebody that you're living in the same apartment with, but it's the person that God calls you to help get to heaven. And that person is helping you get to heaven as well. And in the context of marriage between baptized persons, so marriage between two Catholics, marriage between two Christians, there is the additional joy of sacramental grace. You know, when we are talking about a Catholic marriage, we're talking about God pouring grace into the hearts of the husband and wife because they are an image of the relationship between Christ and his church. So so the Holy Father talks about, he says, that it represents the union of Christ and his church. And this is truly a wonderful kind of um, image that, of course, we hear from St. Paul in the fifth letter, uh, fifth chapter of the letter to the Ephesians. You know, we are talking about Ephesians, how this is a great mystery. But this is the full meaning of marriage in the life of the church. No, absolutely. And um, it's interesting because when this document was written, it, it was we're talking about the unitive and procreative dimensions uh, again, of marriage. It yeah. never looked at a relationships outside of marriage. It just, you know, so there's looking specifically at the at this relationship as it pertains to marriage. And I think it's important to mention that because we're so used in our culture today, 50 years after this document, where cohabitation is just ubiquitous. Yeah. Or it's just a presume that, well, of course, you're going to live together before you get married. I mean, that wasn't even presumed back at the time that this document was written. No, so right. we can even see today the effects when we when we move away from these beautiful dimensions of uh, natural marriage, uh, but also, as you mentioned, the sacramental dimension of marriage as well. The further we move away from that, the more we, we, we kind of lose ourselves. You know, and we lose yeah. this deep sense of of giving ourselves to the other totally and completely with our relationship with God being the heart and center of our married life as well. Yeah. And, you know, and I think about this, of course, in the context of my own marriage, my bride, my beloved bride, Julie, is not baptized. And so our relationship doesn't have this particular advantage uh, of the sacramental bond that comes between in marriage between two baptized persons. Um, and that actually means that we have to we have to work extra hard at it. God, it doesn't mean God doesn't bless us and God doesn't doesn't shower His love upon us. It's just that the the bond 
of the sacrament strengthens and, and gives a particular grace that just isn't available to us right now. I hope and pray, of course, someday that that God pours the gift of faith into Julie's heart and that she seeks baptism. And then we enter an entirely new stage because at that point she receives a new sacrament and I receive a new sacrament as well because our marriage becomes sacramental. I really look forward to that and I pray for that every day which is part of every spouse's job, is to pray for their spouse and for their deepening of faith. So even though I may not be in a sacramental marriage right now, that doesn't mean I'm dispensed from the responsibility to pray for my spouse and to, and to help her get to heaven as well. That's right. And, uh, you know, and we talked about this before, how the, uh, the atheists have this, as it mentions here, marriage then is far from being an effect of chance mm-hmm. or the result of blind evolution of natural forces, right? So, right. so it's, 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 even though you're not a sacramental marriage, it's not just, well, just two people just come together, whatever. Doesn't matter. You know, it, well, it does matter. Because we still have that natural moral law right. that we're obligated to always do good and to avoid evil. And that, again, because even in the book of Genesis, that was a, na- a natural marriage. There's no sacrament back in the book of Genesis right. when marriage was established in Genesis 1 and 2. So, so, don't, so don't feel bad. You know, it's no, you no, no, sacrament. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still a valid uh, marriage. So, yeah. um, and, you know, and, and God can pour particular grace Right. into that marriage, although it's not sacramental grace, there's still particular grace that God can give both of you to strengthen you. And, and Julie is a, a wonderful, wonderful person. I always love spending time with both of you. She's such a, she has such a great personality and she's working at a church now. I you know, know so, I know, exactly. You know, so, you know, uh, as they say, salvation is work. very close to this house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah right. absolutely. It's, it's a, this is the particular uh, vocation that God has called each of us to, right? I mean, we are responding to God's grace in our lives. And uh, that's part of this full meaning of marriage as well. And that's why, you know, this document is so much more than just dealing with sexuality. It's an incredible reflection on the full meaning of our human relationship, the relationship of marriage, the very building block of society. And so that's why it's so timely that we be talking about this again right now in this in our context of this day and age when we're in the process of redefining marriage too, you know, in in, uh, in our wider society is. The church says no, marriage stands for and is fundamental building block because it reflects the plan of God the Father. That's right. And it talks about here developing that union of two persons in which they perfect one another, mm-hmm. cooperating with God in the generation and rearing of new lives. So that unitive yeah. and procreative dimensions, because we've separated those two things today. Right. And so that's why when people, so when you talk about redefining marriage, those two dimensions in the eyes of the culture are not intrinsic in right. marriage. Right. So you can so in other words, you can have this unitive dimension although it's not even really unitive. Uh you know, no, um, it's I'm giving you everything but this, meaning right. I am withholding ever I I'm, I'm withholding something from you to completely enter into this. Right. Two people yeah. uh uh of the same sex or, or a person marrying mm-hmm. an object or person marrying a, a pet or yeah. even now there was a TED talk just recently I saw on um on uh, Facebook where they are promoting pedophilia as normal sexual activity now. Mm, so, so wow. I mean, w- when you separate those two dimensions, that's why I'm so glad that Pope Paul VI emphasizes this right at the start of the document that lays the foundation for what comes after. Because uh, when you lose that perspective, you get to the mess that we're seeing today, yeah. which actually was one of the things that was foretold, which we'll get into later on in the document as well. 
Well, let's uh, let's move on to the next uh, paragraph, which is entitled Married Love. So this is number nine. And here the Holy Father really kind of highlights, first off, that married love fully involves body and soul together. He says this love is above all fully human, a compound of sense and spirit. So it's not just, as he says, merely a question of natural instinct or emotional drive. It is also, and above all, an act of the free will. So it is... Um, and of course, when we what we know about we've talked about before in the concept of of an act of the will, a fully human act is one that involves all parts of the soul, in which the will is not overwhelmed by instinct or emotion, and it involves also, as the Holy Father says, trust. It's an act of trust because you know when we think about human sexuality, human sexuality is remaining is making yourself vulnerable before another person, and it is a complete engagement of the body and soul. He says, trust is such that it is meant not only to survive the joys and sorrows of daily life, but also to grow so that husband and wife become, in a way, one heart and one soul, and together attain their human fulfillment. Through our married love, husband and wife truly become this one heart and one soul. And again, we hear this when we go to weddings. Let the two become one. The two become one flesh. Christ teaches this in the gospel when he was asked about divorce. He says, truly, a, a hus- you know, the husband leaves his home and the, and the wife leaves her home and the two become one flesh, you know. And that means that they are inseparable, that they are truly one heart and one soul. In their bodies and in their wills, not just exactly. one or the other. See, th- that's important. The, the, we talked about this just now, the unitive and procreative dimension. It's both and, not an either or. And this is, of course, married love at its best, right? Yes. But remember, we've talked about, we just talked about it before. In the sacrament of marriage, God pours grace into the relationship so that we can become our best. You know, and later in this very same same paragraph, the Holy Father is going to say, it's not unattainable. We certainly know, we can look around and we see lots of marriages that have been lifelong partnerships that are full of joy and happiness. So it's not that this ideal is unattainable. It is attainable. It is, in spite of, as the Holy Father says, the joys and sorrows of daily life, God pours grace into the marriage relationship to make it possible that these two will become one heart, one soul in will as well. And then in this next little portion, again, I quoted this before, whoever really loves his partner loves not only for what he receives, but loves that partner for the partner's own sake, content to be able to enrich the other with the gift of himself. And that's really what the whole point of marriage is, is to love the other for who they are, not because of what they do for me. Exactly right. And that's why you know when uh, things happen in a marriage, like someone gets sick or and now someone ha- the, the spouse has to be the, the health care provider possibly for their, yes. for their other spouse. And you know that doesn't mean, okay, well, now you can't do anything for me anymore. you can't do anything for yourself, so I'm out of here. Right. I mean, you know and, and that, that happens tragically. Oh, it does. You know we- um, Even in some ma- I mean, what was that one I saw the other? I, I, I was having a, a, a moment of nostalgia. And I was thinking back to some of my little favorite songs when I was a kid, you know, like fourth grade or fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And one of them was like, Love Will Keep Us Together. You know, Captain and Tennille. Remember that song? Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) 
And so I said, oh, you know, let me find out whatever happened to them. I, I mean, I literally have not even thought about them for years. And so I went on like Wikipedia or something. And I saw that the uh, captain had uh, some kind of illness. And um, when he got sick and got to the point where he almost couldn't take care of himself, she left. Oh, dear. Tenille left him. Wow. And I was like, whoa, hold on. I thought, you know, when he emphasizes here, Pope Paul VI, married love is also faithful and exclusive of all other, and this until death. Yes. And, and so I thought about, wow, because when you don't have this enriching each other with the gift, you know, being that total gift of yourself totally to the other person, then that, something like that can happen when a person no longer becomes useful to you or when they become sick and now your the dynamic of your relationship changes. Um, that doesn't change the, the the spiritual foundation and the grounding of which you're still making a gift to yourself until one of you dies, not before. You know, yeah. it's like a marriage is like a roller coaster, you know, and the ride ends when somebody dies. If you try to jump off a roller coaster while it's moving, somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and we, we've totally lost this perspective in our culture. It's about a culture of convenience, you know, and I thought about if it were me and Colleen, something happened to her. You know, I would go to Archbishop Sample and ask him to suspend my faculties to function as a deacon so I could spend the rest of my life taking care of my wife. Yeah. Bam. Because when I put that ring on 24 years ago, I meant every single word that came out of my mouth. Uh, she is my first and most important priority uh, in my life, other than next to my relationship with God, of course. Yeah. Um, even more than the kids, because I'm not in covenant relationship with my kids. I'm not saying I don't love my kids. The kids are not important. Right. I'm not in covenant relationship with them. I didn't make a vow to be with them until I die. I did that with my wife. And so she is everything. So if if that happens to her, then that that's it. Gloves come off, and I am with her and in this thing until the end. And that's the way. She, and if you're not ready for that, then don't get married, Period. No, I'm so glad you're you're saying this because this actually comes to and underscores the fact that marriage is a very public commitment. And it's a public commitment in really in two major ways. One, we recite our vows in front of our family and friends. We recite our vows in public. And at the same time, the public is witnessing us and we are calling them to help us to remain faithful to the vows that we are reciting before God and before our community. And so us, as the community gathered around a newlywed couple, has the responsibility to help them remain faithful and to fulfill the, the commitment that they are making right here in this church. This is marriage, why marriage is the cornerstone of society, because it society builds around these and society holds one another accountable to these commitments that we make. That's right. And a couple that's living together outside of marriage doesn't have that commitment. So you have to ask yourself if something and I challenge all the cohabitating couples that may be listening to our program right now, or maybe you have a child that's cohabitating. Ask them to ask the person that they're living with. If I were in a car accident and I was a quadriplegic, what would you do? But would they say, well, I would stop everything and, and dedicate the rest of my life to taking care of you? Or would they say, oh, um, well, that's not going to happen. You know what that's code for? That code, that means I'm out of here. That's right. what that's code for. Right. You know, so so I don't ever want to hear these people saying, well, living together is just like being married. No, it's not. It's not. 
because you don't have that commitment. You, you, you think because you're sharing bank accounts and you're sharing a toothbrush or whatever that, oh, it's just like being married so we don't have a piece of paper. Well, that piece of paper means everything because that is a lifelong commitment to dedicate your entire self to that person exclusively to one of you dies. And if you're not yeah. ready to do that, then don't live together, period. Yeah. Because then you're playing house. You know, yeah. just like my daughter plays with, when they were young, played with their dolls in their house. That's what you're doing. And that is, and that's exactly why we're in the mess we're in our culture today. This complete lack of commitment. This, this, uh, I, I, as long as you able to give me what I want physically, then we're okay. You know, look, we're, we're sharing expenses, you know, you know, it's just like having a roommate with benefits. Yep. Yeah. You know, but, but the benefits are exactly. not eternal. They're only looking, uh, as long as I can satisfy my physical needs, it doesn't look be beyond that. And that's, that's a tragedy in our culture today. If you leave an out, somebody's going to exercise the out. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just like a contract. You know, there's an out clause. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it, that's why marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. Because Jesus showed that what's the out clause? He died, but then he, then he rose from the dead. You know, he's, the, the out clause is, is heaven forever. That's, that's what we're trying to get to in marriage. And God bless couples that, uh, that have difficulties and that stay together and work through them. That stay together because of the commitment that they've made publicly. And may God pour graces into the hearts of every couple that is having difficulties, that is um, feeling like separating, all of these. Marriage is a commitment that you've made publicly, and may God bless that covenant relationship that you've entered into one another, because that's really the cornerstone of our society. And we need to support families that are in difficulty. And and then also to praise those families that are in doing so well and that are the families that we look to and the, the couples that we look to and say, you are a model for me. You know, who are the married, married couples in your life that you and your spouse were inspired by, that you and your spouse rely upon for, for support in your own marriage relationships? Think about the people that have inspired you and then pray for the grace to be inspiring to other couples as well. That's what I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you you can be assured of uh, my prayers and, and Ken's prayers as well for your absolutely. marriage. Marriage is not easy, man. Marriage is hard, man. You know, it, it really is. And uh, I know there are couples out there that are, that are struggling in their marriages. You know, sometimes you wake up. Let's be real. Sometimes you wake up and say, what was I thinking? You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. just going to be days like that. You know, yeah. it, so <laughs> it, just like you, sometimes you don't want to go to work. So you don't feel like being married. That's the reality of it. You know, so it, no matter what vocation you're in, there's going to be times like that. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be times where you say, God, I wish I would have gotten to know them better. I wish I would have known this aspect of their personality before I made this commitment. Or I wish I would have spent more time in prayer with this person before you know and you look back and you know hindsight's twenty twenty, but now you're in it so now you say okay what can i do to help this person uh how can i break myself open and pour myself out more freely in love to this other person so i can show them christ you know so i can be more christ to this person in in this marriage even though we're experiencing something difficult right now you know earlier i made reference to saint paul's letter to the ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 to 33 are really where, of course, these are the verses that are very famous because it begins with wives, you know, be submissive to your husbands. And then husbands, love your wives and give yourselves for her as Christ loved the church, you know. And this is an entirely 
powerful section of scripture that is a reflection on the full meaning of pouring yourself out for your spouse. And it is, and as Paul says at the end, this is a great mystery, but I, we look at this as knowing that it is a reflection of how Christ loved the church. And this is what, uh, what marriage is about. And that's really what, what Paul is holding up here. Uh, blessed Paul the sixth, soon to be saint, Pope Paul the sixth is reminding us that it is difficult, but that it is with God's grace attainable. This is a powerful, powerful uh, little section, all all crammed into section nine here, paragraph nine here. Um, that's right. And it ends with this idea. He says, um, finally, this love, this marital love is fecund, meaning it is fruitful. It is not confined wholly to the loving interchange of husband and wife, but it also contrives to go beyond this to bring new life into being. Marriage and conjugal love are by their nature ordained toward the procreation and education of children. Children are really the supreme gift of marriage and contribute in the highest degree to their parents' welfare. Uh, This is ultimately what, as he says, this is the point of marriage is the procreation and education of children. Now, this doesn't mean that families that do not have children are any less truly fully married. It just means that the norm for marriage is procreation and education, raising of of the next generation. And so, um, and that is an expression of the fruitfulness of this love between husband and wife. The love between husband and wife is not entirely internal, turned in only solely on one another, but it is to raise the next generation. And so what you were saying earlier, Deacon, is entirely true, right? I mean, you made a you're in a covenant relationship with your wife. Your children are the fruit of that covenant relationship, but your commitment remains to your wife because it is your love that has generated the next generation. Your love for one another that has been fruitful. Um, and this is the whole point then of why Paul is talking in this document about why the generation of, of children is so vitally important because it reflects upon also the meaning of our marriage relationship itself. That's right. And when that doesn't happen, then we end up like we talked about a couple of episodes ago, what's happening with these one child policies and things like that. Yes. When, you try to, when you try to limit or, or control God's plan, it never works out. China and other countries are coming to know the reality, uh, even though they won't admit it, but it is, you know, God's plan for, for the appropriate education of children is actually the way we sustain our, our cultural civilization and society. And they're finding it out the hard way. Yeah. When they try to control things themselves, it, you know, uh, and get away from, the further we get away from God's plan and turn it on itself, the more they realize how much God's truth is really uh, the foundational principles for how we continue our, our life as we know it on earth. Yeah. Well, and ultimately, like you say, with the one-child policy, um, there's no generation to contribute in the highest degree to their parents' welfare, as it says right here at the end of chapter of paragraph nine. Deacon, we've reached yet again the end of another quality half hour of radio and a great conversation with a very good friend. Well, yeah, as always, can I th- always enjoy our time together. And how can people uh, stay in touch with us, Ken, uh, until next week? You've got lots of options. You can go on Facebook. We're at 
uh, Living Stones on Mater Dei Radio. You can visit materdeiradio.com for the full archive of all of our past shows. You can also visit our website at livingstonesmedia.org. And if you use Twitter, we are at Catholic Stones. Until we meet next week, Deacon, when we pick up the conversation with Paragraph 10, might we have your blessing? Almighty God bless you and your families, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.